welcome listeners to another edition of the Coco and Dults podcast. Oh, we've missed you. It's been a long time. It's been a long time since we rocked and rolled. I'm not Coco. And I'm not Dults. And we have got a special special edition podcast for you listener you're going to be blown away special edition because this movie has been out for a month and we're just now getting around to you couldn't resist could you no i couldn't you've got this fixation on we got to review something as soon as it comes out i mean we're journalists we go for timeliness so we reviewed two movies and one of them has been out since 1985 or something like that (laughs) i mean we're going to talk about that movie but we're not really going to review it oh oh yes we are (laughs) Click. <laughs> Listener is done. No, listeners like, it's about time they did some old movies. I'm tired of the new stuff. Anyway, what are we going to talk about in this special edition of the podcast, Coco? Today, we are reviewing Dune Part 1, because Dune Part 2 has been greenlit. It will be coming out on October 20th, 2023. Mm-hmm. But Dune Part 1 is the two and a half hour Denis Villeneuve adaptation of Frank Herbert's 800-page epic, also called Dune. Mm-hmm. If you have not read that book... I have. And if you have not seen the 1984 David Lynch-directed version of Dune, which... Welcome to the world. <laughs> this is a brief summary of Dune Part 1. <laughs> but So should we talk about the first one first? No. No. We're Let, not going to talk about the first one first? We'll talk about the first one, but I think we should do it in relation to how does it compare to this one. Anyways, so the summary of we the movie have, is... We should have rehearsed this. So the summary of the movie is in the year 10191, uh, the desert planet Arrakis is the only known location in the known universe for a substance called spice, which is not only a hallucinogenic drug, but also is the way we can do interstellar travel, which is an interesting duality there. And you know what they call the female miners of Spice? Spice Girls? Yes. So the a uh, prominent family named the Harkonnens has had the intergalactic spice mining contract for many decades. The emperor of the known universe takes that contract away from the Harkonnens and gives it to a rival family known as House Atreides, ruled by Duke Leto Atreides, played by Paul Isaac. Uh, so Oscar Isaac. Os- Oscar Isaac, yes. So House Atreides goes to Arrakis to begin spice production, but it turns out that's a setup. The emperor wants House Atreides dead. So in the cover of Night, aided by a turncoat in House Atreides, House Harkonnen, as well as some imperial fighters, descend on Arrakis and kill Duke Leto. Uh, Duke Leto's son, Paul, played by Timothy Chalamet, Mm -hmm. and his mother, Lady Jessica, played by Rebecca Ferguson, they managed to escape into the desert. And at the end of the movie, this movie, not the 1984 version, uh, Paul and Lady Jessica are accepted by the native peoples of Arrakis, known as the Fremen, and they are being led to, like, the Fremen's home caverns. Uh, The Fremen are led by Javier Bardem. There's also a Fremen girl named Chani, played by Zendaya, who is being set up as a love interest for Paul. And other big names in this movie are Stellan Skarsgård, who plays Baron Harkonnen, Josh Brolin, who plays Gurney, who's teaching Paul in like hand-to-hand combat and weaponry, and also Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho, which is the best name of any character ever 
anywhere. I love that name. Even in the 1984 version, I don't remember who played Duncan Idaho, but that's a fantastic name. He is like a warrior slash intelligence officer. So that's kind of the plot. Do you have anything to add, Daltz? So there's no sting in a cod piece. Which is unfortunate. Which is the 1984 uh, version. Oh, and uh, Dave Bautista plays the Baron's nephew mm-hmm. and... Nephew R. Harkonnen has a much more limited role in the 2021 version of Dune than he did in the 1984 version, so, which is why I forgot about him. So thank you, Coco, for that concise summary, because the movie is two hours and... Yeah, it's two and a half hours long. 40 minutes long or something, 50 minutes long. It's it's way up there. I believe the 1984 version is like an hour and a half, hour 45, something like that. It's very condensed. But the the 1984 version felt like it was about three hours long. Cause, <laughs> so Coco and I watched that first. and Which we, I'm glad we did. We watched it for homework and research purposes because the research department said, you have to watch this movie before you watch the new one. So we did. We squeezed it into our very busy schedule. And it was one of the most painful movies that I've ever sat through. It could quite possibly be the worst movie I've ever seen. It's not even so bad it's good. It's just bad. And I say this knowing, like, special effects in 1984 were obviously a lot worse than they are today. And I'm not even counting the horrible special effects. Just, it was bad. Special effects aside, the dialogue, the acting... Everything was just really bad. So we have to put this into context, listener. 1984, this movie came out. Dune came out, the book was in, uh, came out in 1965. It's almost an unfilmable book in some ways because it's so dense, it's so nuanced in so many ways. I read it when I was like 10 or something like that. Wow. Um, But even in those days, I was like, this is a really thick book. (laughs) There's no way it could be a movie. I'm going to say that on a podcast when I'm, Older. You were reading Dune and I was reading The Babysitter's Club. This is. <laughs> I think you were in nappies when I was reading Dune. <laughs> so uh, the, the point of this is 1984, the movie comes out. For context, there have been three Star Wars movies out since this point. And they were all really good with the special effects to that point. This is not one of them. No. There's a scene where Kyle MacLachlan, who plays Paul Atreides in that movie, is riding the worm. It looks like... Oh, I forgot to mention that on Arrakis, there are also giant underground worms mm-hmm. that like to eat everything. Anything that causes rhythm. Yeah. So he's riding... Paul Atreides is riding the worm. Uh, not a euphemism. <laughs> no. <laughs> and uh, it looks like the scene from How I Grew to Love the Atomic Bomb or whatever it was. With his, uh, Slim Pickens is riding the the nuclear warhead down into the... And oh, that's I've never from like, seen that. Yeah, it's, it's pretty funny because it's like from the 60s. And as it should be, because it's one of those movies that, you know, you didn't really have green screens in those days. You just kind of did whatever you could. So the 84 version is terrible in so many, so many ways. And yet this version is spectacular in so many ways wow that is not what i anticipated you saying you were you were like i know how you feel about this movie but no you don't (laughs) Um, i keep you guessing coco so one more thing i forgot to mention is that there's also a uh, messiah subplot paul might be the chosen one Mm -hmm. his mother lady jessica is a member of the bene Gesserit, who are sort of 
for lack of a better way of putting it, like witchy women. They kind of dabble in mind control and Well, they stuff were characterized and... in, in the book as space nuns. Oh, okay. Um, so the Fremen uh, have a prophecy that Paul could potentially be the chosen one. So Dune is obviously, in, in some ways, Dune the book is very much the Bible. It's, it's a reversion, you know, it's a futurized version of the Bible in many ways with the Messiah and the father and the, and the, the mother being of very high spirits and, and magical and that sort of thing. Um, I don't know the Bible very well, but I know that much. And, uh, I didn't. I got the sense of that very strongly in the first version. In the, in the David Lynch movie, it was like, yeah, it's clear that this guy is, you know, Kyle MacLachlan's talking to himself or whatever he's going on there. Like, <laughs> you know, he's moving things with his mind. I get it. The voiceovers in the 1984 version were completely horrible. They're like whispering, like you know, to themselves. Was, it was it was awful. It was a collision of so many bad ideas. So what happened with the original movie? Not to talk too much about the original movie, but I think that shark has been jumped. Uh, and so what happened was originally it was supposed to be a three-hour movie, and it ended up being an hour and a half. So they had to cut back everything. So all these like long expository scenes were cut back tremendously so it just felt really jumpy and, and the the lighting was just too bright for for a movie of this kind etc everything that they did wrong in that first version of the movie they did right in this version so denny villeneuve has done he did blade runner 2020 2049 he did arrival he's a science fiction guy he always wanted to do this book he has great respect for it the characters are really well drawn out the uh the special effects were amazing. The uh, dialogue was good. And they developed, instead of doing the in- internal dialogue of, you know, the cheesy whispering, you know, like, oh, no, I think I've got powers. You know, like, <laughs> the spice, it's it's doing something to me. You know, like, instead of all that, they what they did in the script is that they rewrote it a little bit so that they gave uh, Paul Atreides and his mother this uh, sign language essentially so that they're communicating with each other without it being like a cheesy why don't you tell him to take my gag off you know like <laughs> instead of doing that kind of stuff and so it works a lot better because they're communicating in a, in a sign language way so that's a little bit more uh, believable and less cheesy and that's a good way to get around it in a book because there's a lot of internal dialogue in any books and it's hard to transfer that and translate that into a movie um so those are my thoughts so far, Coco. I'd like you to have your chance to offer your thoughts. Well, did you just say that there's a three-hour version of the 1984 Dune? It was originally supposed to be oh, a three-hour okay. version. I don't know if there's a director's cut of that out there, because but there I, is a three-hour script out there. I legit said to adults when we got done watching the new Dune last night, even if there were like a four-hour director's cut of the David Lynch version, I think it would still be crappy. Like the two, oh, there's no saving that. Like thing. the hour and a half to two-hour Justice League was horrible, but the four-hour Snyder cut of Justice League was fantastic. And I don't think the 1984 version would have that well, level of. Well, when you have bad acting, <laughs> right. bad sets, bad dialogue, it just, it just, you're not. That's not going to get better over three hours. It's just going to yeah. get worse. And. I feel like this is just a sign of the movie making times because yes, obviously the technology is much better now than it was back then. So the special effects are going to be much better overall. But also I feel like, you know, how many studios 40 years ago would say we're going to spend $350 million and let you do a two and a half hour version of one half of one book. Like back then it was much less... 
you know, I mean, maybe like the Godfather might be able to do that, right. you know, but something like this, you know, it's probably just a matter of where movie making is in 2021 versus in 1984. Yeah. But there's more of a tolerance for longer yeah. movies like this. Right. But I did appreciate that this version, the 2021 version is extremely exposition heavy, but I felt like it was needed because in the 1984 version, as I said to Daltz, you know, it's an hour and a half. And the first like hour 15 is like setting up the second half of a movie. But instead you get all of the second ha- half of the second act plus all of the third act crammed into the last 15, 20 minutes mm-hmm. in the of the movie version. in the 84 version. Yeah. Like it was very rushed. It's like, wait, how did he get the Fremen to follow him? Like, how did he, you know, <laughs> how did he train them on the weirding way? Which is like the worst name for anything ever. It's horrible. It felt to like, me like we were watching the 84 version. And then I was like, it occurred to them at certain points they were watching the dailies and like, this is awful. Let's just get it over with. Yeah, totally. And everybody was just like, okay, let's rush through this scene. Yeah, let's rush through totally. this scene. Let's get this done. So I appreciate that they actually took the time to adapt. And I haven't read the book. So this is coming from a place of only knowing the story from the 1984 version. But I appreciate that they took the time to really adapt and put in stuff that is necessary. And it's all clearly leading to another thing. Mm -hmm. So I I appreciate that they didn't just rush on, just tack on like another 45 minutes of him. You know, leading the Fremen and them defeating the Imperial forces or whatever. I, so my thought on that, however, even though I enjoyed this movie and I enjoyed Denny Villeneuve as a filmmaker, I felt ripped off at the end. I felt like, oh, we went through, we sat through all this, and there's going to be another movie, and this was just all <laughs> a setup for a sequel. Like, so to me, I, you know, the, the first one was entertaining in the wrong kind of ways. This <laughs> wow. was this was entertaining in the in the good way, but at the end of it, I was still like, oh, I, but what, <laughs> you know, like well, now what? Now we're gonna wait till twenty twenty three. Like we got what two a, years. What a ripoff! Like that. <laughs> so that really was anticlimactic to me and uh, a downer for sure. But the the journey was. I, I like the I like the journey. I, th- I like the characters. Mm-hmm. I like having been familiar with the characters and refamiliarized with them through the cheesy Lynch movie, um, and then seeing how real actors can portray them. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so we should talk about Baron Harkonnen. So in I I'm not sure what exactly Baron Harkonnen's malady is, but in the 1984 version he basically just has herpes all On over one half of his face. Of his face. Yeah. It's yeah. disgusting. Like I couldn't even look at whoever played Baron Harkonnen when he was on screen. Mm-hmm. In the new version, he does not have herp, which is awesome. As far face as we know. herp. I mean, you know, he could have yeah. down below herp, but or he doesn't. Just, you know, in he doesn't, remission. He doesn't have face herp. He does have some kind of weird spinal thing going on, and he takes baths in tar, <laughs> which, you know... No, I, you know, I think that was like... It looked like vinaigrette, actually. Oh, don't know. Now I'm not going to be able to eat... It looked like balsamic <laughs> no. vinaigrette. No, it was tar. Okay. It was tar. Right. So I... Listener, put your comments underneath when you see it. <laughs> so I'm not... I'm really glad that they decided to blow the budget not on prosthetics for face herp and <laughs> well i know you want to make the villain like somebody you hate and usually, but you don't want to make them somebody you can't look at on screen and usually the existence of some kind of giant mole or a scar on the face is a signal like "Ooh, this person bad it's a bad but, person yeah but we don't need face herp 
And then like the first scene we see of him is a doctor, you know, lancing his boils or whatever it was on his face. And it was just... Yeah, it was disgusting. It was pretty disgusting. I, I, again, I understand you want to make the villain somebody who's repulsive, but not so repulsive that you can't... Right. That you want to turn the TV off and go and vomit in a bag somewhere. Yeah. So uh, Stellan Skarsgård did not get much play, but he I thought he was pretty good mm-hmm. as like kind of like menacing and just being like quietly menacing mm-hmm. um i liked pretty much everybody in this i didn't there wasn't any anybody who stood out as bad i said to Daltz in uh when we were watching it last night um patrick stewart played gurney in the 1984 <laughs> version and i wish patrick stewart had been given the dialogue and the characterization in the 1984 version as josh brolin had been given in the 2021 version because i would have loved to see Patrick Stewart have that role and what he could have done with it. I agree with you completely, but I still, I think that Patrick Stewart was the best thing about that movie. He just, yeah, he he just came in and just Patrick Stewarted it up. And it was just like, <laughs> yeah, we're totally. going to fight and that's what's going to happen. You know, like it was just, <laughs> yeah, totally. it was, it was Patrick Stewart. It was great. Yeah, it was like, well, he's good in everything, even in crap, but. <laughs> right. And, and, and it was a total surprise to me. It was like, oh, I, I didn't know Patrick Stewart was in this. <laughs> yeah, I had and no idea. All of a sudden I had more respect for Patrick Stewart because it was, it was essentially Picard only in Dune. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so yeah, I I, uh, I agree with you on the uh, the Lansing Boyle thing, but also the uh, other part of it from the first one compared to this one that they did uh, better was when you're on the spice. If you were like an off worlder on the spice, that you had like this like you'd been eating Cheetos or something like that all around your lips, you know, like some of the, in 84. And it was, it was also like a herp kind of moment. It's like, that's just, I don't, that's kind of disgusting. I get what you're trying to do there, but the Cheetos on the face is not good. So what they did is they've got like a little, I don't want to say like a Hitler mustache, but it's like a little slotty thing on the bottom lip there. And it makes, that's, the trans that's a translation of the same condition that you're an off-worlder who's on the spice or you're you've been taking spice or whatever it is so i like what they did there so a lot of really smart ideas in this one whereas the lynch one felt like it was just like okay let's make a movie (laughs) we're gonna adapt a book that's not adaptable (laughs) and we're gonna make it a comic book movie like in the vein of shazam instead (laughs) of like black panther you know (laughs) right right yeah i uh I, I really like this. I, I like the, the special effects. I don't think I would sit through it again. It's not like uh, Blade Runner 2049. I really liked uh, it. That was a hard movie to make as well. Like Denny Villeneuve doesn't back down from challenges to make a sequel from such an iconic movie to such an iconic movie like Blade Runner. And he succeeded. I mean, it wasn't as good as Blade Runner, but it was a really good movie. Um, and so he doesn't back down from these kind of challenges. And I think he did the same sort of thing. I think he made a really good version of Dune. But again, I feel like, oh, like you get me to the end of the road and then you're like, okay, it did. the journey continues. It In the third act, like late in the movie, it did feel a little draggy, but I'm not sure if that was because the story was dragging a bit or if it's just, it's a two and a half hour long movie. Because our fortunes and, were flagging. Yeah, but I didn't, it didn't feel overall too long to me. Like, it felt a little long to me. Okay. I mean, a Denny Villeneuve movie, you know you're going to be in for two and a half hours. <laughs> it's just it's just the way it is. Um, I want to talk about Timothée Chalamet. Oh, I know you do. I <laughs> Go for it. So Let it rip. One of the things that I liked about the 84 version was Kyle MacLachlan did a really good job at being like 
sort of uh, he is physically he physically represented Paul Atreides in, in terms of the what I had in mind when I was imagining the character. Um, his acting wasn't very good, and you could tell he was kind no. of you could tell he was kind of you know, flustered by the whole situation. It's like some of the expressions on his face, I think were outtakes and they weren't acting. He <laughs> was just like, what the F am I doing here? But anyway. The acting he, was so bad in that movie. Just he, across the board, it was awful. Sting was even terrible. It was, it was, it was, it was beautiful. So I physically, he represented Paul Atreides to me. So like not, not, I'm not looking for a, you know, a six foot seven linebacker. Like, like Dolph that. Lundgren. I'm not looking for that kind of guy, but I'm looking for somebody who, you know, is physically able to handle himself. Now, I'm not anybody who wants to body shame or anything like that. I'm not going to go there. But Timothée Chalamet is not this not Paul Atreides to me. Like he he kind of the way he walks is funny, and he's kind of slightly built. And I always imagined this character to be you know as any protagonist in a book, you have certain ideas of him and that person is that's open to interpretation no matter who you are you know that's part of the beauty of reading a book is you imagine somebody in that role and it's different from somebody else it's not timothee chalamet like i don't know who it was like maybe ryan gosling would have been a good guy to be in this role like he's he was in 2049 uh, another De- the denny villeneuve movie um but i just didn't i just i couldn't identify with him at all as the character his mother also jessica her her speaking was indecipherable to me at points. I couldn't understand what she was saying sometimes. Um, and maybe she was speaking in Benny Gesserit tongues and that sort of thing. But I really needed the subtitles in, in some of those scenes. Um, but that was the main thing I wanted to say about Timothée Chalamet. Not shaming him. He was actually pretty good acting in this. Um, but I just, I, I think he was miscast. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think he was miscast. I liked him. I didn't mind that he's scrawny just because I thought maybe that actually was why he got cast was because he's not a big beefy guy. And if Mm -hmm. Paul is like the chosen one, you're not going to want a big Dolph Lundgren type guy coming in who can clearly kick people's asses. like. But that's where I thought Kyle McLaughlin was a good compromise because he was like in between that. That's kind of what I was looking for. I'm not looking for like steroid man, (laughs) but I'm also looking for somebody who's, you know. Okay. Well, I thought thought he did a good job. I I liked him. I liked Lady Jessica. You're right. There was a lot of kind of like indecipherable whispering, but I don't know if that's actually a feature of Denny Villeneuve movies because Mm -hmm. one of the big problems I had with Arrival was – the music would like drown out (laughs) like the dialogue because everybody was whispering the whole time. And I was like, what the hell did she just say? I have no idea. That's why they had the signboards. (laughs) They were writing (laughs) to the aliens. It's like, you can't understand this because the music's drowning us out. So the, so that maybe that's a feature of Denny Villeneuve films. The sound is very high in the mix for sure. I actually did. I really wanted to point this out. I enjoyed the music for Dune a lot. The Hans Zimmer score. I even said to Daltz, if I were still teaching yoga, I would probably use the Dune soundtrack for class because it's like perfect sort of mm-hmm. menacing yoga music. <laughs> menacing yoga menacing music. Menacing yoga music. Wow, oxymoron. Which is probably not what Hans Zimmer was going for, but I liked it. It's, and it's not what probably yoga attendees are going for either, like menacing music. I don't know how much yoga class people even listen to the music yeah, really true. i mean i don't know it's just music let's just be honest music and yoga is to cover up the noises from the bum that's true that and that's why true. there's candles in, in yoga is, <laughs> is to mask the smell i mean let's let's unveil it right now <laughs> i mean you're doing a lot of twisting you're you know working out the 
the kinks. I so know. To speak. That, I know that whenever I went to your yoga classes, I would always sit at the back. <laughs> <laughs> so you get like all that like wafting in the back. No, because you. like so you wouldn't hear the noises. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So uh, you know, listener is really quick right now. No, so. no, they're fine. Um, yeah. So anything else to offer on this fine, fine movie, Dune? How you doing? <laughs> How you doing? How you doing? <laughs> um, Very sandy. Uh, yeah, the only thing I can think is like I really would not want a worm, like hovering over me. It just looks like a giant, like serrated anus, <laughs> like serrated, <laughs> serenus. <laughs> like just you know the the mouth is open and there's like eight bajillion teeths and it's really horrifying so i wouldn't want to face that worm although i did enjoy that it's like kind of a callback to there's a lot of space worms in sci-fi stuff that we watch like the mandalorian and well they're all stolen from dune though dune was the first one that's true so just like religion they all steal from each other which is why you get floods in every major religion and etc let's not go there no so uh 26 letters what do you think coco uh where are you on the 26 letter scale so i i really liked it Mm. i would give it like a b plus maybe you really liked it and you give it a b plus maybe even an a minus wow well a for serrated anus (laughs) serenus It did. It looked like a giant serrated asshole. I, I, no, come on. <laughs> it did. Now we're going to have to put an R rating on, on our podcast. I've said way worse than that. I'm, I, uh, I'm giving it a seven. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why you come to me for ratings. I, I just give everything a seven. No, I uh, maybe like a, a low seven, like maybe a high six, low seven. Wow. So you didn't like it as much as you said you did. No, I did. I, I just... It, I think the journey was very interesting. It's just at the end, I felt so let down. It's, it's, it's almost like it's almost like when the movie's over and they say, okay, make sure you exit through the gift shop. It's like you don't have the movie in mind. You have the the product in mind. You know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. like, okay, now I got to go and see the, the sequel and see how it turns out and see if Zendaya is really good and see if Paul Atreides finally... That was the other thing about this movie too is that he's not really, as compared to the classic 1984 david lynch version classic he uh paul atreides doesn't really have a lot of spice moments in this so i'm wondering if in the second movie that we're going to find out that he has these powers and he starts moving things with his mind and you know the force before the force and all that kind of stuff so i was a little let down by the the lack of mental shenanigans (laughs) (laughs) well maybe you know this did very well at the box office i should i didn't mention that it was uh released simultaneously in theaters and on HBO Max. We have HBO Max, so that's where we watched it. Um, It apparently did very well at the box office, Mm -hmm. which is part of the reason why it was immediately greenlit for Dune Part Mm 2. So... The 10th highest growing grossing movie of 2021. So, um, and imagine if we weren't in a pandemic and people were like us were going to see that in the theaters, which... This it, is a movie that should be seen in the theaters. Yeah, it was visually stunning. Yeah. So, and the sound, too. Yeah, totally. So, um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, so maybe now that, you know, this has done so well, they're like, hey, now we can put, like, all the, all the shrooms, all the space shrooms in part two, because part one did so well. We've got even more creative freedom for... Space shrooms. <laughs> space shrooms and space serrated anus. And, and giant worms. <laughs> this is not a drug trip. This is like a... <laughs> 1965 movies so this is you know 
This is around the time of LSD, I guess. <laughs> That's true. And we're recording this at 9 a.m. So we have had neither drink nor drugs at this point. We've which... had mushrooms in our omelet, maybe. Oh, I no, not me. Just you. All right. Well, unless there's anything else you want to offer in this fine, fine movie, How You Doing? I, I think it should be called How You Doing. How You Doing. How, yeah, how You Doing. How You Doing. I blame Marshall. All right. <laughs> so for another episode of the Classic Podcast, please join us. Share, like, click. Who knows what else? Send us money because we want to keep doing this. Yes, please. I'm not Coco. And I'm not Dogs.